0: Welcome back to Guru Live, I'm Rihanna Dillon. Performance capture is one of the most exciting areas of development in games. From casting and directing actors, mocap, and capturing the sound, this is an area that's only set to get more interesting in the coming years. In this discussion, we hear from directors Delith Thomas and John Dower, performance capture artist Oliver hollis Like and voice director Mark Estale. The session is hosted by Will Freeman.
1: I'm just here to bask in the expertise of these guys. Um, it'd be interesting. If you each didn't mind, just giving kind of a mention of a few of the projects you've been in, in, involved in, or the kind of thing you do.
2: Uh, well, I'm a, primarily a performance capture actor. I've been doing it for 14 years, and I've worked on a lot of games, almost 100 titles. I've played Master Chief from Halo, I've played Iron Man from the second movie, Ant-Man, James Bond, Spider-Man, and uh, all manner of men, women, children, monsters and, and other things.
1: I think it's fair to say some people in this room may have controlled you at think, some point. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I
2: have controlled me, murdered me, all kinds of things. You're right, Great, right. uh, John? Uh,
3: I started off as a director, went to film school, thought I was going to make movies and uh, TV And then I saw an advert uh, from Lionhead Studios, a Microsoft company, about, 2007, and uh, uh, found myself working for three years on a title called and K, which never got released, much to my incredible disappointment. But anyway, that's another story. But that got me into the whole notion and idea of of what creating performance in games was about, and and got me the experience of working in motion capture studios in, in Los Angeles, and Oxford. Um, And then subsequently I've been working in uh, games as a voice director, uh, motion capture director. Um, uh, Me and Oliver have a company called the MoCat Vaults where we train and we're consultants in creating performance with motion capture. Uh, And I've worked with Mark at OMUK and worked on several titles there. Um, and a game called Risen 3, which I, me and him were working on the voices sort of recreating, uh, and I worked on uh, James Bond, 007 Legends, where I met Oliver, who was playing James Bond. So it's a few of the things I've worked on.
0: Great. I'm yeah. Delith Thomas. I'm a, primarily a television um, and film director, and uh, te- te- drama mainly, and I've always been absolutely fascinated by storytelling in games, and I think it's amazing. And I um, sort of recently worked with Mark... Brought into the games to work in a few games with Mark in OM, so that's been my. I'm still. I'm kind of still technically the newbie in the room. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, it's absolutely fascinating, and the, the kind of transferable skills is, is um, I think a really interesting area. And yeah, that's yep. me. Great, in a nutshell. And Mark,
1: quick summary of uh, um, your brief
4: time in games. My brief time, yeah, <laughs> 20 years well, it was 23 years actually. It's been, uh, an interesting journey. Um, yeah, I'm a fundamentally, I suppose I get categorized as a voice director, but I'm also a sort of tech tech designer and studio designer for recording. So I'm always kind of looking at different ways of actually getting the best performance out of actors. Um, and sort of current stuff I've been working on, I've just done a wonderful game called Hue, um, and been working on VR and looking at the VR studio with. Um, Um, Esper and Esper 2 and then we do sort of some of the bigger titles with the full motion capture and stuff and we're currently working on Horizon Zero Dawn which is coming out sometime.
1: Great, thanks very much. Yeah, so um, an example there of the kind of diversity and experience we've got and on that point um, there will be an opportunity to ask questions and this is quite a unique opportunity. So... uh, Get some of them in the old brain, but um, I'm going to jump in first with some questions. And the first one kind of feels, I feel meek about how broad this is because it's effectively the theme of the whole panel. But um, I, I think it's fair to say, Mark, you are a fairly early example of being a director in games, yeah. and yet more and more the discipline is important, and the rise of mocap and so on. I guess. Why is, this is so broad, why is quality direction and quality performance in games not only important but increasingly important? And I know that's so broad, but I guess just to set the scene for some of the more detailed questions we're going to. John, you look like you might speak.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> why is it so important? Blimey. Well, it's, it's, it's getting more and more important I think because games are becoming much more universal, so many more people are playing them and, and they're expecting better thoughts. Uh, it's getting more important because of that universality means that there is higher expectations from the players. Uh, it's getting more important because the fidelity and the, the quality of animation is so much better. Um, and it's getting more important because we're ever, finally the world is waking up to the importance and the, and the significance of games as a creative art form. So it needs to get better because of that in order to prove that, uh, and, and I think it's doing so. Uh, and so that's why I think it's such an interesting area to be working in, because we, can, we, need, to get, we need to get better and better and better. And I, and I really believe in the concept of convergence. I know you talked about transferable skills. I like to think about, sort of about the industries converging, and I passionately that. feel that's important. And I'm, I spend a lot of my time going into games, working with games people and talking about things I... I think that I can contribute. But I equally spend time talking to my friends in TV and film and going, do you not realise what this world's about? And actually, it's, it's, it's quite embarrassing, I have to say, from my perspective as a film and TV director, to have talked to many of my peers and realised how little they know about it. It's getting better. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe those sort of, you know, those sort of shaking quaking, you know, whatever, the mon- monoliths that approach each other are approaching. But yeah. it's, you know, it can get quite crunchy. But the important thing is that people in both sides are beginning to... Sorry, it's a long answer. But no, no, yeah, beginning, yeah, yeah. beginning no, no, To appreciate what, what each other can contribute. So it, I think it's becoming more important because the art forms are really starting to appreciate
1: each other. Yeah, I, like, I, don't worry about the length of that answer because I really want to talk about that convergence and yeah. transfer of skills. Um, but also, John brought up something interesting then, this idea, I guess you perhaps nowadays, is it fair to say you can't get away with bad directing and performance as the quality of audio and visuals? And so Is that a logical argument?
4: I think it is kind of, yeah, it's a great argument. And I think if anyone went to... Um, Adam Hayes' talk just now on everybody's gone to the rapture. You know, there, are, there uh, are, you know, the Chinese rumor are a production company that are audio performance-driven, mm-hmm. and the quality of their production, the the standard. You know, they don't they don't have the the budgets, the, the massive budgets, but they're they they're focused to detail, and their understanding of the impact of. Performance and of audio within a game is absolutely paramount, mm-hmm. and it actually sh- you know shows massively. Yeah. Um, you know, people want. You know, th- th- it's one of those things you can push the boundaries. It doesn't matter at what level. You know, we're working with lots of little indie projects as well as the big AAA titles, and I think in in the at the AAA end, there's a there's a focus on pushing the tech. Mm-hmm. They're always chasing the fight, the shiny thing. So it's kind of it, there's a lot of sort of lowest what I call lowest common common denominator values production. It's like Hollywood with all the superhero stuff. You know, it's you know they're not really compelling stories. They're just experiences. But at the end, people are getting really really creative, and there's some fabulous, subtle, beautiful productions coming out, which I think are pushing. the the production values at the top end as well.
1: Yeah, and I think especially considering some of the audience here it'd be interesting later to talk about kind of how accessible this is to indies and so on and certainly Mm. there's some good examples but just while we're kind of setting the context um, also, you know we're talking about why this is important Ollie, as a performer is it fair to say the fidelity at which technology can capture now means there's more capacity for quality acting? I just wonder what technology's role and the nuance of mocap means to performance in games from your side of the stage?
2: Yes, certainly. uh, When I started 14 years ago, it was a very different uh, industry, and actors would generally look down on performance capture. It was called motion capture then. Uh, You would get a lot of physical performers, martial artists, gymnasts, people like that, who didn't actually have any performance skills, and they would play these characters but because the fidelity of the capture was quite low it didn't really show how bad they were and now as performance capture as it is now known has been made famous by people like uh, Andy Serkis and James Cameron and the technology has improved dramatically to the point where we're capturing the performance on a person's face you can't get away with it anymore you know if you do a bad performance it will come through Um, and the other thing is that as actors and directors start to move into motion capture as a medium they bring with them the same ideas that they would apply in their own respective mediums that they've spent their careers in and it doesn't always work and you get a lot of directors and a lot of actors who've never played a video game and they don't appreciate what's happening they don't appreciate that the player might be able to walk all the way around the character they're talking to um, and look at them from a different angle or interact with them and so it's really, really important that actors, directors, animators, anybody involved with a motion capture performance knows what they're doing, takes the time to learn about this, this medium, because it is a medium like stage, like voiceover, like film. It takes the time to understand it so that we can actually match the technology with performance.
1: And so just to clarify, performance capture refers uh-huh. to when the voice and the facial movements and the body and the hands are captured at the same time, whereas motion capture would refer to just...
2: I would call motion capture an umbrella term that describes anything done um, that's capturing movement. Performance capture is kind of a level up from that, where you're capturing true, there's full performance capture, which is uh, body, face, voice, and often hands all at the same time.
1: So yes, I'm sure lots of you know what motion capture is, but at the same time, interesting to see kind of I guess the contemporary. Should end we of the just graph. put a
3: bit of context on that? So this is some footage from a summit that me and Ollie ran last last summer in Los Angeles, and these are what we did is we were working with um, uh, acting students, animation students, and directing students, and we were shooting one to two minute scenes, that, um, all of them, which had the theme of zombies, because we know that's pretty theme at the moment. So this is, this is essentially what you're seeing there is the edited version of um, a scene that was directed by one of the animation students, I think, in that case, wasn't it? Or was it one of the directions?
2: Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was an animation student. I mean, those actors had never done motion capture before that, that day, so they learned everything they needed to know there. And you can see a lot of the challenges they faced. Like, they're in an empty studio. There's no costumes. They're wearing a very uncomfortable lycra suit covered in Velcro. Um, Mm. It can make you feel very self-conscious. And at the same time, they've got a helmet, which you'll see later, strapped to their head um, with a camera pointing in their face, which has got a bright light on it, and they're having to overcome all of these encumbrances and distractions and get down to the heart of that scene and that character. So it's quite a challenge.
0: One thing I'd like to say about that sort of stuff is that when I do a lot of voice work, both in television and if I'm doing corporates or on games and things, is that if you move your body, your voice sounds really different, and there 's a tendency there 's a tendency for people come to an ADR studio or if people are reading poem they just stand really still. Mm. And it's a really strange thing, but if you move like that, the whole quality of your voice, your breathing, everything is changes. And so one thing I really love about, about the fact that there's more and more performance capture is that all that, all that richness to performance, is, that's, what, that's what you're going to have when you play. Mm-hmm. So I really like all that.
1: Been, I'm kind of already going off script with the planned questions and stuff, but there's obviously still a very important place for traditional VO, VO work in a recording booth. How... How do you approach You know, getting a performance out of someone that doesn't sound like they're standing still, at least
4: in terms of their energy. Well, actually, we don't. You know, we get people moving. moving. It's a very physical space, anyhow. So it's actually um, the more physical. This is absolutely right. If you want a real performance, you need to bring (laughs) the actor to the game and bring them into the game world as well as being in the physical space. Because you don't really know what that environment is. All you have is the relationship with the people around you. Um, so, the, you know, one of the things we do is actually bring the game into into the recording space, so the actor can see where they are as well as be physical. So yeah. that that is the next that's kind of the next level of challenge.
0: Yeah. So,
4: but yeah. in fact, this a I just to
0: that. The other yeah. thing about Mark Studios, which is quite unusual coming from a television and film background, is that you see your actors. So you work you work in front. You see them through the glass, so you have very immediate contact with as a director with your with your actors in terms of voice so you can see what they're doing you can work with them really easily it's really it's a really interesting way of working which i've i've taken into the teleworld. world brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. i I've, oh. I've now get adr studios to switch things around for me
4: oh well the studio
0: yeah
4: oh fantastic yeah, yeah, Live yeah, yeah. so i'm
0: i'm we're talking about convergence I'm yeah sorry.
4: yeah so actually yeah we're building the first interactive um studio in the u.s right now and it's just it's completely challenged the way the recording studio is designed to actually Mm -hmm. enable actors to act to be in the moment. And I think that's a really important thing and that's really cool.
1: I I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's really cool. Influencing the film industry,
4: I'm quite proud of that. So,
1: this was actually meant to be something for later but certainly, you know, we've got people who are involved in making games, be it in performance capture or or motion capture or, or VO work and from a directing perspective, what is it that the, I don't know, It's not always that you have the time and so on, but what does a performer or an actor need from the people making the games to help them deliver the performance?
2: If I would answer, I would say information, as much as possible. You know, if I was to play a character on stage or film, I'd do an enormous amount of research to get to a level where I felt like I could play that character. And often on these kind of VO shoots or performance capture shoots, you turn up, and that's when you—that's when you first see the script, and so you have a limited amount of time to just mine the director for information as, as fast as possible. So you want key questions that are going to influence your performance, um, like what? Well, like I mean, you know, how if I can see a picture of the character, fantastic. Um, and I know at, at Mark Studio, that's the sort of thing that you get. You know? yeah. I mean. In real time, you can often see the character. You can see the environment. So, the classic acting questions: Who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? Um, and if you can see images, great. But if not, get details like time of day, temperature, that kind of stuff. That, you know, if you're cold, you'll perform completely differently than if you're hot. And if it's very, very late, you'll be tired, which is different to you know midday. So, character, environment, that kind of stuff. Great. Okay. Yeah.
0: Can I add to that? Further? I have a slight story against myself here. So, I, when I first started working with Mark, I just said, uh, So, can I see the script? Can I see the script? So, no, no, it doesn't really work like that. You know, can I see the script? Can I see the script? So, it's like, because you, you, I couldn't get my head around the fact that there isn't a solid thing, mm. script thing. And he's going, Well, you can't because it's thousands and thousands and mm-hmm. thousands of lines of dialogue. So, it took me a while, didn't it, to kind of get my head around the, the fact okay. that the script, the script, is a whole different animal. And once you get used to it, it well, it's what you an, it's need an is It's an Excel orbit. spreadsheet, yeah. isn't it's it? Familiar, so you, yeah.
3: You're used to working, if you're working yeah, for yeah. TV, with, you know... The linear the spreadsheet. you 90 page, whatever you movie or whatever, you pay 60 page for a TV episode or whatever. And then you come and work <laughs> on a game and it's yeah. an Excel spreadsheet on the screen. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. you go, right, okay. Yeah. And that, that, but that's very much about what games are about. It's, yeah. it's because it isn't linear. Yeah. So each line is a separate piece of yeah. code. It's a piece of, separate piece of data and, um, and it might fit in various different places and you have to get your head
0: around that, and that's, that's the challenge.
1: So I presume that's why context for the performer is it's so a, important. I think that's as, as, re- as, yeah.
0: as, as important for a director as well, mm-hmm. this context. I think it's hugely important.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I guess in terms of what the game developer can offer, that beyond those fine details of the character, I guess the theme and tone of the game, what else, you, you're often, inv- I've seen you do it, with an actor on the other side of the glass, and you're giving them a sense of the game. What are you? What have you found is helpful in imparting? And I guess I'm thinking what information these guys may think of passing to people they work with on this There stuff. is, I think, as, as
4: yeah, developers as you said, as much information about the character as possible. But I think one of the one of the things I work with 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 actors is a different paradigm of acting. Um, that is, you know, the whole thing about learning the script, knowing the script, knowing your, you know, you find the character within the script. Oftentimes, the character is the key in the game, mm-hmm. and that the arc of the story is is the arc of the moment. You know, it's gameplay, which is the thing that you you the, the actor is enhancing the gaming experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, one of the ways we work with actors is is as if they were instead of actors from the script, we work with them as if they were special agents. So you know the main the main thing about the killing is this is who you are. So the core work is on who the actor is, who the character is as a person, mm-hmm. and then they are going like an agent into a world. And we are the support team. So, you know, the whole studio is set up by uh, the control room is, becomes like the little truck outside the embassy. <laughs> the actor is that character going into the embassy with their objective, mm-hmm. with these obstacles, and we're going to support them through that maze. And actually, for actors, they, it's kind of a really liberating way of working because it's all about living in the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I meant to
1: ask that, actually, when you mentioned earlier about performing, OK, okay you're in a peculiar Lycra suit or similar... And you've got no props, no scenery, no environment. Is there a liberation to that in terms of, I guess, purity of that? You can act in the imagination? Absolutely.
2: I mean, everybody. I hope everybody as a child experiences the joy of just playing, of picking up you know, a kitchen spoon and turning it into a magic wand. And as children, we don't need all of these like advanced bits of you know, exact replica props. That's for film and, and sometimes for theatre. But the great thing about... Um, VO and performance capture is that uh, all of that stuff's added later. So all you need really, or the only key is imagination. You can, and Because of that, you can invent on the fly. You can work with the developer or with the director and you can say well, what if we have this here instead? Or what if it, this creature does this or looks like this at that time? And those changes can later be implemented. And sometimes those changes can't be made and you've got to stick to the, to the rigid script you've got, but you're still open to, to play up here and not necessarily use these exact props.
1: So, you haven't grown up, is what you're uh, feeling. <laughs> I've been holding it off for as long as possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. We're at <laughs> the game. Yeah, yeah I, think it, right? that, I think that is
4: absolutely the key uh-huh. for any actor yeah. is that ability to play and to be free and yeah. to use their imagination. It's their imagination that carries a character. Exactly. So, that's absolutely fantastic. And yeah.
2: to be, resp- sorry, just to be responding to things in real time. Recently, I did a a scene for a a project where I was running through a burning building, and I was saying to the the director, saying, okay, so what am I experiencing? They go, well, it's very hot, there's flames here, and you've got to run out of the way of them. I said, are there any explosions? And they said, no, there's no explosive things here. And I said, what about the wood, though? When it heats up, the moisture in the wood might pop right next to my head, and that would make me kind of flinch out of the way. And the developer said oh yeah, that's a really good idea I might do that now and so you're, you're liberated in that way that you can explore the world with your imagination and use it to create a kind of a reactivity within yourself
1: It's interesting there that actually maybe bringing in actors and directors in that process early seems to be a way of actually generating, not quite content, but ideas right? Uh, in yeah. fact, let's talk I, my questions have gone to completely different <laughs> order um, but when do you start talking? When do developers start talking to people in your professions? Day one. Right. So the day you have the uh, well, I know that's the side. Um, well, it is. It, 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 it's it's kind
4: because when you're actually starting to develop character, uh, you know one of the one of the things that ha- has happened frequently in the past is that developers will design the game, design the characters, and then when they're towards the end of the game, um, they will go, "Okay, we'll need to sort the voices out," so they'll start casting. Mm-hmm. And what you find is that the developers have been living with the artwork of a character. Mm. Yeah, and every single person in that team has got a kind of slightly different voice of that character in their head. And it, you know, there's all these contrasts, so when you start a casting then you start all these arguments. Now I'm just casting a game now, um, we, we did the casting about uh, three weeks ago, they still haven't made a decision because they're fighting over the shape of the character. If you do it really early, cast really early, for example, work with the actor and the, and the, the team around initial artwork for a character, it's, if, you put a, if you get a voice in, if that character's got a voice, then that voice influences the rest of the development. So the writing, the animation, everything about it comes with the voice if you know who it's gonna be. And guess what, the team's unified around that character. It may change halfway around, you change it again, but it's that same process of, yeah. of pulling it through. And that really adds that depth and integrity to you know, to a character in a game, but normally we yeah we rec- we cast really early and in with the teams very early, but then record as late as you can possibly do it, because you want as many of the game assets there for the recording. So you want the, you know the actors to be in the game world rather than explaining it to them, because then that's a disconnect. Right. So yeah. Um, that's not, that's yeah. Oh, cool. uh,
1: so I'll move on to what was my uh, second question <laughs> um, to talk about. You know, we've talked about I guess. How well with the example of the scripts being a Excel document that would be hundreds of phone books if you printed it out compared to a sixty-page TV episode? The the scripts are different. The process, the context is different. But sh- should we and are people in your field open minded to that convergence? Like, how important is that convergence, and how transferable? I've actually got about ten questions for this, but just be interesting to hear. Like.
3: Uh, I'm beginning to find people more open-minded, but there are two major things that one has to get one's head around. I'm now speaking from the point of view of film TV director, Daleth, I'm sure that you'll, you'll concur with this, I hope you will. it be interesting to see what you do. So there's two things. One is, uh, when I first started working in games, people said to me, John, it's not a film, because we, we were very much a story-based game. It's very much a character-based and a story-based game. Um, the player makes the decisions. And it's it sounds really simple and really obvious, especially to you guys, because you all guys are open-minded about games, I'm sure. But for a guy that had always, always worked in film and TV and didn't really know much about games, and to be honest, had really played Space Invaders, that was the last thing I really played. I was, you know, sorry to admit it, but I had concentrated mostly on film and telly, and that's a big subject in itself. So I was coming to games quite fresh, um, despite my advancing years. And um what I it took me a very long time to conceptually get my head around the fact that I was not in control. As a filmmaker, as a director, I was not the one who finally makes the, whatever we were making, you know, a, in this case, a game, mm-hmm. interactive piece of work, because the player is the one that completes it. And that is a really big, difficult thing for many directors to get their heads around. And what, what sort of leading on from that, the other thing you have to get your head around is you, you are not... You're not the person that's going to see it from beginning to end, like you would do on a film or TV. You are merely part of, you're a cog in the, in the, in the, in the works. And actually, that's very liberating. And I actually really enjoy the fact it's a collaborative process. I'm really there to offer my skill set and then say at some point, well, you now need to take that data and, and those, you know, the, the voices I've given you or the performances, and it's given to the animation team and to the game design team and to finally the audio team. So you are. You are, you are much more a collaborator and a part of the team than you are when you're doing film and television. And both of those things are fundamentally different. And if directors are going to be, as they are often in film and TV, used to the notion of being the boss or being the manager or whatever you want to call it, yeah. then they'll have a problem. <laughs> they'll Except- have a problem, I think that's... that's
0: well, you I, I found the whole, the whole player choice thing really, really liberating. Once I got my head around the fact that uh, the scripts were like you know, phone books, actually, for me, it's a bit more like, right, how do you make every single strand, every little branch, everything absolutely superb performance wise? So it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you go, it's always going to be shit hot in terms of performance. So actually, I kind of find it really super liberating that you come in and you work and you. you and, and I'm used to doing quite um, both. Uh, big primetime stuff and a lot of kids' stuff where you're, you, you have to be so on your game and you have to go able to spin on the sixpence depending on what they give you and their hours. So actually it works really well for games because mm-hmm. you have, again, it's budget-driven. You have, sometimes you've got lots of time, sometimes you've got absolutely nothing and you've got a phone book to get through in a two-hour session. And I, I find it really <coughs> liberating, as, as, as you were saying, but actually I find the player choice thing really quite fascinating because to me in a way, there's a limited amount of choice because you've got a phone book and you've got branches and things that go everywhere. Once I got my head around that, I'm going, this is really cool. Thought it's, it's, but it's... But it means
3: directors have got to get their head around that. because that's, Yeah, you do have to get yeah, your head around it. Yeah. But no, if, that's, that's the thing I think yeah, you is you a do. challenge. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. But it used to be in control.
1: Is that for the benefit of, I guess, the games people are making and the games people are playing, that we... Is it important to bring people over from the world of television and film? How helpful is that?
4: I think it's massively because you know you've got areas of craft that are built on you know 2000 years of tradition you know it's, it's all to do with about performance you know it's like the quality of writing um, you know the, the the dramatic understanding of the movement of sound you know, the, the, the value of the skills that are within the film industry are something that needs to impact the game industry more and more. And it's like, that's where I mean, it's convergence of skills rather than convergence of media. They're two completely different forms of media and two different forms of entertainment. But actually, the levels of craft in, in each are so... You know, the, the game design is just this amazing universe of exploration but there's such levels of craft and understanding within the film industry and you know even in music production you know it's just it's glorious and it's actually to bring those that that dialogue is happening and you know and there's you know it's fits and starts you know you, you know you try to impose things on the, one on the other
1: and, and Sorry, carry on. Yeah,
4: on and one, but one of the things is you're finding yeah. it it is going both ways now. There is that yeah. there yeah. is that discussion right, so like right. you, you know, people are becoming yeah. become much more collaborative in film.
1: Well, I was going to ask yeah, that thanks. because film and television have started to, you know, motion, you, you work in both, for example, performance capture has a role and, you know, a lot of the tools that were originally developed for games in terms of lighting and rendering and so on mm-hmm. are being used in the film production. Oh yeah, yeah, is of that a benefit? Are you finding a kind of movement in both directions in terms of that convergence?
2: Um, I think there's a lot of very interesting stuff starting to happen. Uh, I don't know if anyone's played Until Dawn. Do you know of it or have played it? Um, Well, in that, you know, you've got the intense interactivity of being able to make choices throughout the entire game where people literally live or die depending on your decisions. but it still has a very filmic element. So having a director, and we did have a director, Will Biles from Supermassive Games, he had this wonderful um, overview of the whole narrative of the story. He was able to keep kind of a, uh, he was able to communicate that with both animators, lighting designers, level designers, uh, and actors, because there was an actor for the facial capture and the voice capture, and another actor for the um, body capture and having him as a, as a kind of a director above it all, being able to communicate that to everybody and keep that as one you know, object was incredibly useful. And he doesn't have, I think he has an acting background, but I don't think he has a film or television background. So he is primarily a games guy who's moving towards being a director and may at some point direct a movie. I mean, he's certainly capable of it. And he was writing as well. And then, you know, I was so fortunate to have John come in on 007 Legends the game I worked on because before that it had been animators directing actors via movement saying look like this, stand like this but in comes John he says how are you feeling at this moment, what's going on what are you doing, what's your action, where's your character progressing you know, and being able to get us all to work together that was a wonderful change from being directed by, by Traditional I think
3: one of the things that directors bring in and I think it's really important to impress, I know that you've got a question, possibly I'm jumping the gun a bit oh, no, I know no, that no. one of your questions was about when you sent, us the list was, I know that a lot of you People guys maybe at the there. stage where you want to start making your own work or you are making your own work and might not have the budget to sort of work yeah. in the, the big studios and working even with employing directors and, uh, and and well-paid actors but the really important thing and the key to uh, directing in many ways is to is to not think what I need, because of course that's at the back of your mind. The thing that motivates you as a director is going, you know, I know what I want, but to think what does the person that I'm asking to give me what I want? How am I going to get them to think about what they need? So what does the actor need? And I think that's really the key to it. You've been in the past, I think, directed by animators who go, I know what I want. I want it to look like this. Yeah. Do that. So you might even actually be posed. I mean, Ollie's told me stories about standing in a mocap mo- studio and literally being posed. You know, someone coming up and saying, no, put your elbow out. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and put your face at the head over yep. here and look up. And, and that's great. But what that's doing is it's saying, I want you to do what's in my head. Yeah. And what's really important, I think the notion of direct, good directing, to my mind yeah. anyway, is yeah. how do you encourage an actor or, or someone you're collaborating with to give you what you want, but talk their language so they understand... Yeah it from their point of view. And I think that's a really important sort of thing to get across. And I think that is something that people can train themselves to do. So I very much encourage anyone who wants to get into directing to do a bit of acting or at least to talk to actors a lot and get their heads around what it is, what you're asking someone to do because it's really scary acting. I've done it myself. It's (laughs) the most terrifying job I ever did. To go into a rehearsal room and be asked to expose my soul, it was just theatre, but, you know, it's scary. So, as soon as you've done that a bit and you go, wow, this acting block is quite, actually quite difficult. It's not just about, you know, ego and <laughs> showing off at all. It's about, it's about a very vulnerable state you're asking people to get into. So I think... Anyway, I'm rambling a bit. But no, 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 that,
1: that, that is perfect. Because oh. In fact, in a moment, we'll have a hardware demo. But as we've started talking about this, you know, I guess when you get into making games, you I'm sure in most cases, developers aren't thinking about, I'm going to learn the craft of direction, writing for performance. And, you know, perhaps many indies are, have to write their own games. But how. I guess I think you've probably all got working examples, but how realistically is this available and within reach of teams? Whether it's implementing good voice acting or directing, um, you know, teams that aren't EA and Sega, Ubisoft, there are wonderful sponsors. Like those guys have the budget. Is it is it reasonable whether taking on some of the craft yourself or? In- People in your various roles, is this in reach of smaller teams from a, uh, and we'll get to the harbour in a second, but from the.
4: It has to, yeah, it has to be, I think. Um, you know, you, we've got to make it in reach, and that's why we, you know, we, we sponsor a lot of indie stuff, simply because to bring that level of, you know, that. It's a bit, you know, they go, oh, we don't have a $30 million audio budget, you know. <laughs> um, you know, we've got. Few hundred quid, you know, but so that, you know, so let's do it ourselves or do it online or something. And you're just going, you want to bring people in to to see what that sort of expertise can bring. So it's. Argument then if you have a
1: modest budget. You should consider putting a significant amount. So, in terms of the end product, I just wonder, you know, the value of pounds in and quality
0: out. Can I talk a little bit about that? Just in terms, if you think about YouTube and you think about all those homegrown videos that are out out there, and there are a lot, and not just on YouTube, on on on, oh my god, on Vimes, on proliferation of channels. How many of them are memorable? Okay, the cat ones, yeah, but <laughs> but really how many of those homemade videos are memorable. Very, very few. And sometimes it's not because the visuals aren't good, because generally they are not bad. It's usually the sound, and nobody thinks about sound. And for me, a lot of corporate videos I've seen are absolutely atrocious in terms of sound. Um, well, yeah, exactly. there They are, you know? and, and, and you kind of you'll get you'll get an actor sound like M and S. Hello, making a house a home, and it doesn't speak to you. So for me, I think it's absolutely key. Is is a key part of a of a game or a corporate or, or or television is really good sound, and you must invest. You must invest in good sound because if you don't have it, mm. subliminally your players are going, God, that's a bit shit looks yeah. great. But People forgive
3: average pictures, but they don't mm-hmm. forgive Not good percent. sound. No. Because they? they won't, as soon as they can't hear it properly, they're like, oh.
0: I think
4: yeah.
1: things like virtual reality are increasing that onus in particular. Yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, so so, yeah,
4: yeah. What you doing in VR yeah. is just. Breathtaking. I just, <laughs> just, just
3: yeah. to f- follow on from what you just asked I'll just give an example I, I teach at the National Film School on the games course and the, uh, teach sort of character and story development and um, there was a couple of graduates just came out a couple of years ago and they were making a, a game at very, quite a modest level they just got some funding a few thousand quid I think um, and they wanted to do the opening uh, scene from their game so what we did is we brought in two actors that me and Ollie had trained so we, you know, the thing is there are lots of actors and they are also very keen actors and there are also good actors who are willing to do stuff. Yeah. So, we worked with uh, two actors for a day, three actors for a day. Uh, I came in and directed alongside um, one of the developers, and we, we and we used um, a mocap studio in a university mm-hmm. um, it called Wickham, U- Wickham University, Amersham. Amersham and Wickham. So th- this is a this is a place that uh, is inexpensive. It's uh, central. have given the equipment. Central is a big studio. It's near Oxford, but they also run this small or are given the equipment for this small studio. We made an opening scene for very little, but I think it's going to be very high quality. There are those studios around, there are lots of universities in this country with mocap studios who, who, who want to bring in make work. Uh, there are lots of actors out there. There is training that you can do, you know, there are pe- people you can consult. It's possible. I'm convinced yeah.
1: of it. Since I know you've variously, or some of you have been involved in training, and it's not necessarily, it arguably would be of use to a developer, even if it were more targeted to a director or an actor. Is that fair to say, that they should, developers should consider learning? I know you've done, you do various training things. Yeah, we, we, have a, we moment fundamentally moment? have
4: an open door, so anybody can just ring up and come in. Um, because it, because it's yeah it's King's Cross, <laughs> um, but it's it's a really you know I think it's a really important thing because it, you know you want to inspire people you don't want to be in a sort of okay an ivory tower somewhere you know it's part of feeding the next generation you know mm. and it's and it's just fun you know it's it's a real you get a real kick it's out fun, of inspiring yeah. people you know yeah. it's just
1: and it feels an opportune moment um, Ollie to talk about kind of the accessibility of mocap hardware mm. itself I mean. You've been in the game 14 years. I imagine the price and Mm -hmm. accessibility to hardware has changed over that time. So if you wanted to talk about that and believe you have a contraption with you. I do
2: have a contraption, yeah. I'll show you that in a second. I think um, breakthroughs in technology have dramatically reduced the price of uh, performing and capturing motion capture um, it used to be—I mean—to hire a professional studio could be five to ten thousand pounds per day, including the data that you get from it. Um, which is why a breakthrough in inertial technology, a Kickstarter campaign um, for a company called Noitom produced an inertial, which means movement, mocap system that you can get for around a thousand pounds. In fact, I'll just show you here. I won't uh, take it out because it's all kinds of um, bits and wires in here. But you know, that's all you need to capture motion motion capture performances Um, and then for when you take it up to a higher level and you start doing facial performance capture this is um, a head mounted unit from a company called Faceware and this is their GoPro camera rig and this you can get for I think again a couple of thousand pounds and you've got all the software you need to process it as well it's incredibly comfortable, very fashionable and stylish. Looks good in nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: uh, it'll
2: certainly get you noticed.
0: And, um, Sorry, it, looks, it looks like my bicycle helmet. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you bicycle, can yeah. and
2: capture your bicycle ride to work.
0: You yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 on the rally. other
2: side to capture all the bad driving. Um, so, you know, there's, um, there's a lot happening in this area that makes it affordable for people to do this now. And uh, as a result, I found my, myself working in some very strange places. Um, I mean, I've worked in... Huge mocap studios where they captured Avatar. And I've also worked in uh, abandoned shoe shops in shopping centres. And it's a bit like doing motion capture while the Dawn of the Dead is taking place outside. (laughs) Um, In that shopping centre, it was certainly like that. There was a wimpy just down from us, which was pretty much a scene from Dawn of the Dead. And a castle. This is a great thing, because it means that we all have access, whether it's renting or buying this equipment, we all now have access to this technology. Wow, we can get performance capture in our games. How fantastic. But a huge problem is coming up at the same time because the people making the games think, well, I'll do it. You know, why not? I can play, I can play the main character in my game. It'll be great fun. And it is fun. <laughs> but what does that mean about the performance? You know, I, I'm an actor that dabbles in animation, but I wouldn't dream of trying to hand key a character or code, you know, in an engine, It's just not what I do. I've practiced my whole life to do what I do. And so it would seem a shame to to have access to this great technology and then kind of spoil it by jumping in the suit and doing it yourself. I'm not against animators doing that, but you know, when you think about, you're trying to capture a really great performance here, get a specialist. And it doesn't cost a lot, you know, those three actors that came down to Amersham They accepted a very modest sum, you know, really like under, you know, £65 each, I think, to do that for a whole day of their time. And as a result, they got fantastic performances. And especially if you're going to start using head mounted cameras. You know, you've know, you got to get professional because the audience can we've got, to be, we've
3: got to be careful not to say that this is what actors cost, by the no, way. No,
0: no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. 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 65 yeah, yeah. quid a day is,
3: is the Season. lowest you can pay on an educational basis. Yes, exactly. So the reason we paid that, or the, the company paid that, is because they were graduates and they were still doing it on the basis of it being exactly. an educational job. Exactly. But all I'm saying is there are actors out there who are really willing. And they want to learn as well.
2: And so, you know, obviously the more you pay, the better calibre of actor you're likely to get. But at least get an actor, you know, and, and do a casting process. Find out who's right for your game. That's important. All this time and effort, you know, we all know indie games aren't made on a budget. They're made on blood, sweat, and tears. Sitting in, a, in, your, you know, in your own home office, for God knows how many hours putting these things together, you've put your heart and soul into this. Make sure there's a cherry on that cake, you know? And, and so casting is important. I'll, I'll pass over on that one, but... Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was
1: actually just well, before we move on to casting. I just wanted to ask. Well, actually, I was going to say one of the things is if you really spend on an actor, you know, Mike Bithell's a big name in game development yeah, yeah, now. Him when him. he made *Thomas Was Alone*, he wasn't, and he spent more than he reasonably should have on getting Dally What Danny Wallace, but as well as bringing a quality of performance, that brought promotion and marketing, yeah. probably a fraction of the cost of what you might spend on actual promotion and marketing. Yeah. So yeah. I guess there's that extra that an actor can bring if they have profile.
2: yeah.
1: And yeah. also in terms of, I'm not the expert here, but in terms of the investment in an affordable mocap solution, they can also be used beyond performance for prototyping when Absolutely. your game is a very... I've been to studios where they've attached a mocap set up you know, they've had cameras or rigs and sensors in their boardroom
2: yeah.
1: or their home office and yeah. they've attached mocap markers to a coat hanger to be a pla- like it, there you yeah. can use this this so technology fun. beyond for animation and yeah. prototyping beyond outside of performance. Instead of sat at say.
2: your desk, you know, keying a walk cycle or uh, you know any kind of in-game move or even a cutscene, you can prototype it like that and then just add a little bit of extra to it, and that saves you time, which equals saving money, and then get the actor in for the final. Exactly. Pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah so actually I wanted to move on to time is flying by Um, casting obviously again you can invest in you know a professional in your various fields can help with casting but what is the art of casting for video games what tips might you have for people because although these guys might be able to reach out to a professional and have insight at the same time sometimes they're going to be making their own decision where is the Craft
4: of the cast. In. The craft of the casting. <laughs> yeah, so, when the, you know, for, for us you know, it's just recording. You know, you're casting like a film. You're casting like anything. You're putting together um, an orchestra for a game. You know, they're like musicians. You know, it is like an orchestra. You know, so you, you want the contrast and you want the ability of of the actors there. So, know yeah, personally, it, it, I always get. The actor in, get them working to the game, get them into the thing, see how they work with the other, you know, with the other performances, and it's kind of the more, you know, the closer you can get to your performer, the better. You know, we spend, you know, a great deal of time in, you know, casting continually, and it's just like, you know, yeah, the sound of a voice from a voice demo is not a starting point. You know, if they've got an interesting tone, that's the starting point, but then get them in and check their ability. You know, get, you know, if you, you find people local, get them in to see you. Meeting people face-to-face is really important. And you can feel whether somebody inhabits yeah. a character, can't you? you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's very true. The, the other thing is you, you really want uh, technical excellence. You need very good vocal dexterity, and you need very good... Uh, performance dexterity so that you can spin and if you've got a developer in with you or you have a producer in with you who actually doesn't know what they want um, then it's our job to interpret and actually get the actor to talk all sorts of different things and they go oh yeah it's that, that, that one, that one so you need actors who are very fast on their feet, who are, who are dexterous um, and, and what I love about the games casting is they don't you, you, the visual's taken out it doesn't matter what they look like After I really mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. I really love mm. that, it's a, it's a whole different thing. So there are people who are astonishingly good at games. There's one particular person I'm thinking of who I worked with. is breathtakingly good. But I'm not sure how good this particular person would be on screen, um, interestingly, mm. and, and that's, uh, that, t- that took me a while to get used to, I have to say. And I guess this connects back both, in, you know.
1: in terms of yeah. casting, a bit of flexibility on the developer side. We talked to the example before where the studio already has that concrete idea. I guess being willing to accept that... I, perhaps I'm entirely wrong, I'm certainly not the expert, I, but I wonder if there's any, anything to the idea of when you're casting being prepared to let the actor influence your character as much as vice versa. Is there any logic to that? Or am I talking yeah, about that massive
4: way? logic to it. You know, sometimes you, you, you'll come and you'll have an idea for a character and then, but you let the actor interpret it and they'll take you in a completely different direction. You know, we've had characters change gender, um, you know, simply because of the, of, the, of the power of somebody's performance and their interpretation of that mm-hmm. performance. And it's just, you know, it's, yeah, you're working, you know, you're working with talented, you know, you're working with other people. So it's, you know, it's just that creative melting pot. So, yeah.
2: I might add one note to that is that uh, I agree with everything that's been said. But if you are going to end up doing performance capture, make sure that this remarkable voice has legs. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, yeah. um, I've worked with. When you
1: say have legs, you mean literally, I rather th- than the turn of phrase. I, I yeah, I
2: don't mean I don't mean literally. I mean <laughs> it like uh, that they that they can move because yeah. I've worked with some remarkable voiceover yeah. actors and I've, I've stood in yeah. the studio and thought, oh, God, I could listen to this all day, yeah. but then they move like a piece of wood. And I'm not yeah. saying that's all voice actors. I certainly am not, but I'm saying that some people have spent their lives and careers mastering this connection with a microphone, but they cannot move. Mm-hmm. And That's res- kind of
0: what I meant. I was just being a bit more subtle about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I tend to be a bit dumb. Yeah. But...
2: Um, as a result, a developer has to recapture every every move that they've done and just reuse the voice. Right? Yeah. You don't want to be in that position. The motion
3: capture in a way is a hybrid in terms of acting between uh, theatre acting and film acting. I'm yeah. being simplistic, but um, it's like a mixing desk of with those skills. And you, uh, an actor needs. To, and, and the thing about the thing that's, the essence of film film directing for me and film acting is that you want your actor to be unaware of how they look because you want them to get right into the core of their you know their inner workings. And that's great if you can get an actor to do that, mm. but in theatre you need, to, in, in a way, the opposite, which is that you need them to be aware of their, uh, how they look from the outside, because you need to know, they need to know how they're going to appear to the people in mm. the gods. And the same with motion capture, they need to ha- know how they're going to appear to the player yeah. when the player's mm. 100 metres away, across the valley, coming yeah. towards them, uh, compared to how they're going to look when the player is yeah. 5 metres mm. away, which is why well often these are the questions that Oliver will be asking when he's on the set, how close is the camera? So that that sort of physical awareness mixed with that psychological sort of depth is incredibly important. One last thing to say about casting from my point of view is a lot of you probably are not that experienced at casting. One thing that's really important is to, again, going back to this sort of try and put yourselves in the position of the actor. And it's really scary going to casting. Actors are very... It's one of the most unpleasant things, what actors tell me, about being an actor. And be aware that you've got someone who's probably bricking it in the room with you. (laughs) And thinking, how do I give them what they want? So you being really clear about what you want and communicating that in a very kind of mature mm-hmm. way is really, really important. That's going to really help the actor to feel that they're in safe hands, that you're taking what they're doing in their very vulnerable state, seriously. And you're really listening. And the other thing is, don't be seduced by their performance. Because often you can go, oh my God, what an amazing performance. And you, you realise you haven't really looked at their body, if you're thinking about motion capture, or you haven't been concentrating on their voice. You've just been kind of seduced by the fact that they've got this amazing electric performance happening. And actually, that's, you've got to strip that away and go, actually, how does this fit into my game? What am I looking for in the game? I need, you know, I need this. And actually, they're giving me this amazing performance, but it isn't really what I need. So being quite forensic with thinking about what you actually need
4: yeah it'd be, good, it'd be kind of good to do we get some of the developers coming to some of the voice courses and stuff we do and, and, and like with your motion capture thing it's like you know when you've got an animator animator is about precision and an and, and, and economy of movement mm. to you know, to express something well. You know, when you get a character moving well, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with motion capture. People go, oh, yeah, well, I move. You know, say people doing voice for games. Well, I can speak, therefore I can put my voice in the game. No. <laughs> you know, it's an art form. It's, the same, art with, the, same it's the same. It's the same. We've all seen games with, let's talk like this. You know, it, it's because it's not understanding the power of motion, and that is one of the things that you're doing a lot of, is that is the training with the mocap vaults, which is, you know, the quality of motion capture is being pushed all the time as people beginning to understand actually it is an art form and a craft in itself. Mm-hmm. So
1: there is training available that is relevant to not just actors and directors, but to those in games. I guess I'm just wondering yeah. if you know there's, I I, I know you know. I wasn't really trying to give you a chance to plug, but at the same time, MoCat, Ports, OM, those people should be looking. I just wonder if there's training where someone in our audience who's maybe a game developer who wants to
2: employ I would, I would
1: always know welcome anybody
3: to approach us if they want advice, and we could go from there and see whether there's something bespoke we can offer, yeah. or just maybe it's just a conversation they need, or yeah. it's a, pointing you in different directions, or saying, well, maybe someone from your team might... Come coming on one of our courses because that will give you, you know, an animator or a. Yeah. You know, director. Because I think that
1: a, uh, that's, it. that's almost what I was touching on before is most people who get into games love design and development, and coding and so on. And I guess there's fear that the world, your, you guys' world is a alien one. But it seems there's a there's a need or for more to, connection. We're trying to make. we yeah, trying to
3: is. say that it's not an alien. Yeah. It's really. It should, we're not, you know. Don't be scared of us, and I'm trying to encourage directors yeah. and actors okay. not to be scared of the whole process
4: of, you know, games development either. It's like it's collaborative, isn't mm. it? Yeah. You know, it's like understanding each other's area of craft. You know, the, you know, the frustrations in a team where somebody doesn't understand the audio or the animators don't understand. You know, it, mm. it, it's it's that getting people to work together and bring their expertise in a complementary manner is so. I think it's so important. Um.
1: I just swear, actually, on the subject of approaching these guys, I've got a few more questions, but we are, time is ticking, I hope so. Does anyone from the audience have any questions? There's people running for mic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right, we'll start at the back. I'll try and remember uh, the chat with the white and black knitted switch. If you could wait for the microphone, which is oh, there. Thank you very much.
2: Um, so... What was I gonna say? In terms of like talent, you're saying that obviously you've got different. Um, it's like a different medium, like performance uh, capturing. Would, would you say you find the talent in the same sort of place, or you know, if you're an if you're an actor actress trying to trying to find work, um, or I don't know, just just doing the thing. Like, would you find the talent in the same sort of place, or would you say that it comes from different sort of areas, like?
3: One of the things that's quite tricky about casting—it's uh, a good, good question—is um, is that you probably you probably know that TV and film is a very well-established network of agents, and that you know you go to the agent and, or you look in Spotlight. So in games, generally, that's quite different. Uh, I know in voice there are. Agents, and yeah. I don't know whether you find yourself going through agents, or do you sort of do it more through personal contacts, or how do you? The
4: whole lot. You've got to go everywhere. Yeah. You know, when you're actually looking, so you know, you go, you go online, you go to yeah. um, the agents. Yeah through contact, yeah. the, there
0: are new agents it's yeah.
4: there are back there definitely
0: there. new agents coming up there are the oh, yeah. performance capture agents now they're coming yeah. up I'm not sure I trust
2: those though because I've seen their books and I've seen who's on them and I've never seen them ever in a studio and I think what happens is they get performers who have physical skills and they immediately label them performance or motion capture. No, no, that, that, that is changing. I know is someone it? who does
0: a prolific amount of motion capture stuff, okay. and performance capture stuff. Right. So he did lots of the Games of Thrones things right, and stuff right. like that. And I know he's he's now with an agency or, who are trying to okay. to actually improve to improve that, actually. Okay, that's yeah, so it's quite That's quite new, though.
2: Okay,
1: good. From my yeah.
0: perspective,
1: writing about it, especially when I used to write for Develop an Industry magazine, is you... It, it is fairly early days in that network mm-hmm. being established for games, and I'm not just trying to say this to big up the panel. It's why I asked these guys to be on it. Is I think you are all involved, like you're looking at some of that network as it currently exists. So I'm being nice mm-hmm. this lot, but that really is the truth of it. Is you, in various ways, there's, you're all putting effort going on out there to establish that. So, this lot are some of the people to go to.
2: Uh, if you're performing something re- which requires specialism in that field, then, then that's great. Um, but if you're trying to follow the journey of a character from beginning to end and understand how to share that dramatically, I think acting training is pretty important. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, it's actually about sound and audio. I just wondered, from sort of all your experiences, how um, influential that is to what you do and at what sort of stage that comes into the process.
4: Yeah, that's one for me, isn't it, really? Because <laughs> as as um, I'm a voice director, so we're looking out the voice element. One of the things that we've, we've done in recent years now is to get audio into the performance space. So, any game, basically, we, we basically uh, emulate the game in the studio. So all the audio assets are very important to how a performance happens. Because one of the things about stage and film is you know where you are, you know the environment. If I'm talking to you without a microphone, I'll be projecting slightly. We know that. You know, so what we need to do is put the, game, the actor into the context. The thing that breaks, that disconnects performances in games is frequently the lack of understanding of the actual context where the performance happens, and sound informs that, also music informs that, you know, it can, it can you know, so sound effects, spot effects, ambient beds are always useful if you're in a helicopter, obviously, you know, everybody, that performance needs to be in the moment. You know, if it's really quiet, then it needs to be in the moment as well. And it's anything that you know, anything that informs context is really, really valuable. So all your visual assets, all your audio assets, if you have them, great, we'll have them. And if if they don't have them, you know, we've got a massive audio library, so we actually will mock mock them up to actually give ideas for the actors when they're in the when they're actually performing.
0: So, so, so a classic example of that is I was doing a game for you, Jack oh I can't remember what the game was. We're doing a game anyway, was so kind of going I have no idea, we have no assets, we <laughs> no assets. Had no idea where the characters were. So I was going back to the original language, to was German, to try and listen to how they were performing and then, and then going back and giving the actor notes. And then suddenly the engineer went, oh, oh, I know this bit, I know this bit, he's on top of a mountain shouting to somebody 300 metres away. Wow. And you couldn't tell from the dialogue. You just couldn't. And that's a completely different beast. So it's that sort of thing about, please yeah. give us as much context, if they're on top of a mountain, yeah. it matters.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we basically build all that into the script. Yeah. So, um, so all the game assets are connected to the script because oftentimes you get a developer in the studio who's going oh shit I've got 300,000 words of dialogue to do and having to remember where everything is and go, oh, you know, so he's got various references and then trying to explain that to that actor Yet the actual assets inform instantly you know? so thank you for the insight and the great talk today I'm quite interested in actoring in that kind where we get now the possibility to have facial capturing, motion capture, and voice capturing all together. Is this better for the actor or is it more for the voice to concentrate only on one specific field? Which brings me to my second question to virtual reality. Would it be beneficial to wear virtual reality Oculus Rift or other virtual reality classes to get in? this world, while having the helicopter exploding, and s- which then, again, breaks on the quality of facial motion capturing, because you were this, um, the glasses.
1: I should have started asking questions earlier with crackers like these so yeah. far, so I guess just to paraphrase those, the first is the benefits of separating out face, voice, hands, body, and bringing them together, and then... A very interesting notion of performing in virtual reality. So let's tackle the first one. We'll try and get to that gents' question as well. No one's allowed to leave the room until we've done these. Uh, Yeah, so I think, Ollie, it seems natural to you about that separation or togetherness.
2: Well, you have your ideal. And as an actor, the ideal is to have everything happening at the same time. Because it's connected and it's fluid. Um, So... uh, I would obviously prefer to do that, and lots of studios do prefer to do that. However, the ideal isn't always achievable. For instance, a studio may want to have a face and a voice that's a named actor, an A-list actor, but they don't want to pay that actor millions of dollars to be in the studio every day, so they get uh, another actor to do the body acting. Um, So sometimes you have to make do with that.
3: Uh, John? Was that yeah, it was sort of, you know, it's known as the Frankenstein effect, and certainly we, we were trying to conquer that on 007 Legends in that you, we were recording with named actors who were James Bond characters, uh, recording their voices in London. We would then go up to Derby where the studio was, and we couldn't do face and body at the same time because of the technical reasons why they couldn't do that at the same time. So we would record the face, and the face had to be pretty much static, mm. which very much goes against this notion of getting better performance mm. from movement. And then we would do the body separately, we play back the audio and we get them to perform to that. Um, and you, as a director, what your challenge then is, is how do I stitch these performances together and hopefully create a three-dimensional performance we believe happened at the same time? I would say I would always prefer to go with performance capture. Yeah. There are various reasons why it doesn't happen. The other reason, of course, is because if you've got a game with huge amounts of various uh, things, that, you know, uh, possibilities of uh, interactive elements, you just can't possibly record all that in that time it takes to record. You're going to have to do your voice. You know, when we're working at Mark's studio, he will work on an average of something like 100 lines an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right? It's about yeah. that. 100 lines mm-hmm. an hour, that's fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's what, it would be 1,000 lines in a day. You know, yeah. you'd never hope to be able to shoot that many no. lines in a motion capture studio. So there, ideally, we'd all love to do the whole thing together, but, you know, there are various reasons why you can't. No. With
1: time yeah, pressing, although we can, uh, well, I just feel we can. Yeah. Uh, can you do it in one sentence? Which what the the facial? Cap- uh, just the, on from that. The, the, guess, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> working in VR is fantastic, and having the VR with the headset. Yeah, we're abilities. actually going that way, and having having the VR VR studio. So the actual actors in the game world, yeah, with mm. fully immersed with the, with the script nice. on the screen. So that's kind of insane, but I don't know what it's going to do to the actors. Yet. Yeah, got, we do as we kind yeah. of.
2: I, I actually was doing this before everyone else, uh, when I was uh, on, uh, on, on GoldenEye, uh, when I worked on GoldenEye, the, the game before I met John, I, was, um, I had to play the camera, believe it or not. Glor- I was a glorified cl- camera, with hands. Um, and so we tried numerous methods to get my POV to be right for the scene, because I'm actually having to tell the story based on my viewpoints. Um, and I was never quite satisfied with what we were doing, so I, I went out and I bought my own set, these Vuzix video glasses, which wow, could be you wired in. Yeah, right, right exactly. <laughs> You were before everyone else. <laughs> and I took it into the studio and I said, please, let's use these, and they weren't keen on it, and then we wired them up to the MoCap system, and from then on, it was a primitive form of VR into the world, so I could watch helicopters going over my head. I could see exactly where my hands were, so as I was climbing over tanks or whatever, yes. I could look at the right place, and then they bought them from me, and then they made it a part of the pipeline. However, the problem with doing it in performance capture now is if you cover half the face with the virtual reality headset, you can't get the performance. So what I would say is it's great for directors who want to look into the world and see the performance live, providing the capture technology is good enough, but for the actors it would be limited to a quick walkthrough of the world to get used to it before having to take them off to do the scene. You've yeah. given me a feature
4: idea. Previous stuff,
2: seriously.
1: And yeah, there were, um, the gentleman with blonde hair and the black t shirt. Oh, there's a hand being up at the back. We're going to get to you as well. Sorry. Yeah, we'll squeeze them all in.
2: Hi. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on um, film versus mocap. So I'm in the very early stages, three days in on designing and prototyping a uh, real time strategy game. So it's top down, the uh, player makes a base and units, destroys the enemy. Um, now, a lot of games have cutscenes, it's all 3D, it's very nice. Um, Westford Studios with their red alert, uh, even now today, yeah, still doing it. Their cutscenes are real; they record them. As an indie developer, a programmer that has no experience in you know animation, mocap, or film directing, and you know, next to no budget, what would you say is is easier to put in a game? Um, budget wise and accessibility, and what do you think is better for immersion and storytelling: real film or mocap for d generated content? Wow, uh, that's yeah, huge. I've- um, have you seen Alan Wake, American Nightmare? They quite successfully do that, um, of, of putting film in... in so um, live action into the game. Live action, game. yes. And also Quantum Break. There's a TV episode in between each one. Um, you're going to face problems like whether it's too much of a shock for the user to go from one to the other. So you have to do some very careful style matching between the two of them. Um, but then also it's going to be about your artistic choices and also budget. If you're doing a World War I battle in film... It's going to cost a lot more than doing it in you know CG. So um, with green screening and just uh, with the film, just, just if you characters. can do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if it's going to be like a question of budget and style, really, I'd say. I don't know anyone
0: else? And also how it serves your story. If yeah. it serves your story, what, yes. why you should, you know you've got to ask yourself why are you choosing why are you choosing to do that? Um, and if you can't come up with a good answer, yeah. then should you be?
1: Great. Great. Thank um, you. And the lady at the back Oh, more hands shooting up Sorry, we'll try and squeeze them both in
0: Hello um, I've got one question What are the pros and cons of, My voice is loud in this What are the pros and cons from coming from a TV background Or film backgrounds And did you have to play a lot of games Before you went into working in a game job Or did you just flow right into it I'm really rubbish <laughs> <laughs> You know, those, you know, one of those people who's really, whose friends' kids get to play the games because you're really crap. I am that person. Um, Mark got me on some really good, simple ones though, um, which are really interesting and interactive. So, I, I I try and play them. I'm so bad at them. I get very frustrated because I, I don't go up through levels very quickly.
1: But I guess it's still important, even if good or bad, that must be an important part of the process. Yeah. The,
3: pro, the pros are that you understand dramaturgy, storytelling, the, the basic, you know, important sort of foundations of drama, if you come from TV and film, and you're going to be able to bring those into games. I think that's an advantage in, in many ways. Uh, if, you haven't, if you haven't had that experience, you're going to potentially struggle, yeah. although, I'm not underestimating people who only worked in games because a lot of them have been brought up by watching television and understand mm-hmm. those things actually intrinsically anyway, which is why it's important for us not to, either side to be snobby about, you know, yeah, exactly. um, uh, and I suppose there are some cons, and the cons are sort of what I mentioned earlier, which is potentially sort of slightly closed mind or, or relief that, or not, not really understanding the notion of collaboration and the fact that your player is interacting and in fact your player kind of owns their experience Uh, quick sentence that's that's sort of an important thing you've got to get over Uh,
2: not not everybody can afford to buy all the consoles and play all the games Uh, playing is better but if you can't go on YouTube and there are playthroughs recorded of pretty much every game so you can watch it that way And you don't have to worry about not being any good. Exactly. And,
1: uh, yeah, another lady with her hand up there and a mic appearing quickly. Hi,
3: I was wondering if you had any experience um, or know of any voice directors who work in radio, because I'm interested in more, like, radio in terms of the research I look at, because I'm interested in 2D and abstract games or games without characters
4: in them. Be, yeah, we work with radio directors quite a lot because their, it's, it's one of the closest media's. You know, the whole um, you know, radio drama. Actually, the actual history in, in the UK is phenomenal, and a lot of the actors who actually work in games OK, at so you in a VO booth
1: with movie. no physical That's context
4: around. Right. Yeah, and they and work in a slightly different way, but it's but it is. Uh, and it's funny enough because you know we started off with games, and now we're doing a lot of audio dramas. Mm. Um, which, is, which is great fun, you know, and that's for bringing our game tech into, into radio and, and, and on, online. So it's uh, yeah, the, the, the crossover there is is, is big now yeah. um, or oh, be getting, uh, getting more so. Did that, did that answer your questions? Or? Sort of, not really. Yeah. I'll talk, yeah. After, yeah. talk afterwards. Yeah, so yeah.
0: I
1: suddenly realised this podium has been obscuring my view. Were there any other questions? I've not been looking this way enough. Go on, I think the man asking the last question.
4: Hi, uh, do you have any advice for developers who want to approximate costs at the start of a project uh, for things like voiceover and motion performance? Talk to people. Yeah, get, you know, get, in, get in touch with people, ask them. You know, and, say, and then one of the things is oftentimes people just come and say, I've got this, can it be done? And then you can just scope it out with them. It's really quite straightforward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can, it's, it's very, it is a massively scalable industry. It's like the film industry. You know, people are making things on tiny budgets. People, you know, some people have hundreds of millions. It's the same. It's the same within the games world.
1: And I guess with the rise of indie and smaller studios, there's an owner, some people in your profession, to be able to respond to that to a degree, well,
4: right? it, it, And you do it in the film industry as well. You work on indie f- yeah. productions as well as, you know, well-paid films and stuff. like that. that's
1: Great. Well, I think we're done. Just to say, you know, I've never been on a panel as long as an hour and 15 minutes, and I feel we could have done longer. Like, Thank you for the amazing questions, for your attention. Yeah. Thanks for your insights. and um, Thank you, everyone. Well done to all of us.
0: If you're interested in where the worlds of film and games collide, you should check out our podcast series, The Guru, where we look at the cinematic influence on games, featuring the team behind Alien Isolation. That's The Guru, episode 17, TV, games and cinematic influence, available on iTunes and other podcast apps.